Well, I've talked about this uh, to a certain extent, but what a shock it has been to come out of 10 years of isolation to see the state of Buddhism. Recently found out what's become a fad, uh, lucid dreaming, and to hear them talk about it sounds crazy. It really does. And in the same breath as psychedelics. So quickly, lucid dreaming was something uh, in uh, the Vedas and in um, yoga, Tibetan and otherwise. Uh, it had to do with the bardos. I've talked about this. You can go listen to my other podcasts. It's an idea of achieving a meditative absorption, not just in the awake bardo, but the between states of sleep and awake and, right, I won't go into the sleep. There's no such thing as actual lucid dreaming because remember, when you're asleep and actually dreaming, you're no longer you. So how can you have control over that? The lucid dreaming is really just um, an illusion, a fantasy of that between state, thinking that you are having control over something that is arguably, say, parasympathetic, right? Something that's presumably out of our control, and you get... No, it is all delusional. Because when you hear them talk about what they call, and I had to actually share this with our group, uh, reality checks, where you go and look at a clock and look back at the clock to see if you're dreaming. Ugh, somebody was watching too many science fiction movies and made a really weird version of mindfulness. No. That reality check is something you're supposed to do all the time, reminding yourself that it's all an illusion. That's, that's, that's Buddhism, right there. So let's talk about psychedelics. It's an obsession. I'm just watching a podcast. A gentleman wrote a book about psychedelics and Buddhism. And right away, I don't know if he's full of it, but right away he arguably lies and says, there's no word in Sanskrit for mushrooms and he even says that it was a, a mix of five different we don't really know 100% the root of Sanskrit so forget that but he says that they use the word umbrella and there's no word for mushroom well I got news for you if you look at just about any word in Sanskrit and Pali as well they're compound words and they're very contextual so he starts out with a lie because yes Chanda which is um Chandam, Chanda, which is mushroom. Yes, it's umbrella as well, but if you change it up a little bit and call it Chanda, it's also a schoolboy. So it's very contextual. But to say there is no word for, for mushroom is ridiculous. It's like saying no word for love in a particular language. Well, they used a different word like affinity or compassion or uh, lust. Right? Just like the, uh, the Eskimos... We say they have uh, a dozen words for snow. Well, we call them Inuit now, and those dozen words for snow, we have a dozen words for snow. Sleet, uh, ice, uh, it's all perception and contextual, right? So let's talk about psychedelics. I'll give you a little insight. I have a lot of experience in this area. Uh, I don't usually talk about it because most people attracted to this need professional help, not psychedelics. And I'll give you an example. We were 
I don't know what to, I won't give examples. There's way too many people that I have helped and, and spoken with. Let's just say, without someone who really has experience, not someone who's reading from a book, it's going to be a hard time. But what I mean to get at here is this uh, misunderstanding that psychedelics or entheogens can give you a window into meditative absorption. I encourage discussion on the experience of psychedelics because I agree with Daniel Ingram that they can inform um, medic medicine and uh, and society about these meditative states because they do mirror in a lot of ways. I have done a number of psychedelics in my past and uh, not even that uh, long ago. But most importantly, uh, I did my research about how you use psychedelics to transform for healing. So I'm not dropping some acid and then, you know, watching the pretty lights. Like, I heard a gentleman who does not want to talk about Daniel Ingram because he's troublesome, yet he could have been quoting Daniel Ingram when he talked about lucid dreaming. That craziness that, oh, I see all the pretty lights. No, no. I was in Canada, so at the time, psilocybin wasn't technically legal. So, I accessed uh, an analog uh, for ACODMT, legal at the time. It is a uh, form of psilocin. Psilocin is what psilocybin is transformed into in the body. So, I used this chemical with the intention to change my mental state. I'd been suffering from extreme complex PTSD as well as an auto-inflammatory disease as well as very severe allergies, a histamine intolerance, what they call mast cell. Um, it's, it's an issue. Um, it's a new bleeding edge sort of thing. We're, trying, we're starting to see how these conditions kind of play into each other, support each other, aggravate each other. But at the heart of it, this meditation and mindfulness and acceptance and self-actualization as the goal, but self-reliance is what changed the dynamic for me and so many others. But the psychedelics didn't give me a window into my practice. What psychedelics allowed me to do was break from a mental state that had made it near uh, near torture to continue with my mindfulness and my meditation. Right? I love an article that was recently published talking about the need to discuss these darker aspects of meditation and mindfulness. Because if you sit there and you do it and you get the benefits, that's awesome. If you do it long enough and you start to see some negative experiences, which is normal. Life is dissatisfying. It is dukkha. But what do you do at that point if no one's told you to ex expect it or how to deal with it? I experienced it myself. And I was told to just apply more karuna, more compassion. Right? This is before 
the Sharon Saltzman's uh, Meta book. So, of course, they were pushing Karuna at the time. Now it's about Meta. I argue it's about Upeka, about uh, equanimity. That's the true source, right? But the psychedelics don't get you there, right? They will change the mind state in a similar way that meditation will. But because it's an external object that is acting upon you physically, somatically, it's not going to give you that same insight or permanent benefit that you should receive. For me, I've done the research on using these chemicals. And I highly recommend Dr. Fadiman and Paul Stamets as the people that you would research on. And as far as it goes for um, changing your state, you want to take a transformative dose. So you want to start with a dose that's above a threshold dose, strong enough that you're going to notice it and feel it. Because that's what's going to give you this change in state. That's what's going to increase this empathy, which you can use to turn upon yourself. And then you follow that up with some maintenance, right? So I've seen one gentleman who has a mood disorder and he takes mushrooms once a month. And that's enough for him. I know for me, um, I'm probably due for another dose. Uh, it's been a while, but it's been an incredibly uh, stressful year, obviously. I haven't done anything in well over a year, I think. Um, certainly not uh, a, a dose above threshold. Because I have used uh, a strong uh, microdose as well. So I personally think you take a strong, transformative uh, dose to start with. You have this experience, you go into it with intention. When you come out of it, you're going to look at, like I said, maintenance. So for me, uh, that wasn't microdosing, which by the way, I'd recommend you only do it maybe every second day uh, or three days on and, and three days off, that sort of idea. You're not going to be doing it every day. You don't want to deplete your uh, neurotransmitters. And for me, with my disease, the mast cell, my um, hydrogenitis, uh, the, the <laughs> yeah, CPTSD, um, I mean, inflammation, all of these uh, are something that don't go well together. Um, and known that this uh, microdosing can work because again microdosing can increase the activity and blood flow in the brain but it can also that empathetic so i was hoping that that calm that transformative that right that can provide that benefit but as i said because i'm so sensitive in the microbiome where your neurotransmitters are created i couldn't microdose every day because that would actually be Kind of like with me with taking antihistamines. I can't take antihistamines to downregulate histamine because that's actually going to just destroy my microbiome, thereby leading to worse outcomes. So not everyone can do the microdose because if you're sensitive to your serotonin, again, that's what a lot of these antidepressants and, and anti-anxiety are working on, these SSRIs, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. So it's trying to keep this stuff kicking around. Interestingly enough, that's what Tylenol is. Tylenol is an anandamide reuptake inhibitor. So your 
endocannabinoid, your, your self-produced cannabinoid, uh, is a painkiller, an analgesic. And Tylenol just keeps more of it around for longer. So that's what we're looking at here. Right? So if you're sensitive to your neurotransmitters, you don't want to deplete them completely. So for me, I took a transformative dose. I actually maybe even uh, would bulk up with 5-HTP. That is an herb um, that will actually boost your serotonin. You can take 5-HTP as a mood um, regulator. I wouldn't take it uh, very often because it can be upsetting to the microbiome. Um, but uh, I found in reasonable doses uh, for a day or two before, it helped um, bump up your serotonin. Because remember, you need the serotonin, uh, but you don't need it. Well, yeah, I would say you definitely need it. Uh, so you want enough of it there for the experience to be whole. And when you're depressed and sad and lonely, I mean, that uh, causes a drop in serotonin. Plus, I mean, if you're not going out, a drop in serotonin. If you're not feeling good, drop in serotonin. If you're not doing things you usually love to do, drop in serotonin. So, try to do something good leading up to this uh, first initial dose because you want to have all your serotonin. You want to be in the best possible mood. If you've planned all week to do a, a threshold dose on Friday to begin this transformative um, protocol, this therapy, but Friday something really bad happened and you're just in a trap, don't do it, please. Um, you know, I would wait, or at least here comes meditation again, right? Teaching you how to control this somatic experience. But because, let me give you an example. I've used psychedelics for 35 years, 30 years at least. And I've seen dozens and dozens of different people experience their journeys. I've actually uh, brought many, many people for their first journey on um, LSD, uh, psychedelics, um, like mushrooms, um, MDMA, MDA, um, some of the s synthetic, like I said, um, and theogens. And I've seen people have much different experiences. And this is why I say um, it's different. The meditative experience is not the same as psychedelics but for me they do inform each other but I'm in a backwards way because I began studying Buddhism and mindfulness and meditation at a very young age arguably before the psychedelics or right around the same time I always attributed something that I had myself innately to my ability to control these psychedelics 30 years later, I now realize that it was actually my own ability to both recognize, watch, and maybe even control my somatic experience, both outside and inside it, the psychedelic um, influence. And what do I mean? Well, I was able, unlike most people, I was able to actually focus through even incredible doses of some psychedelics, right? Because the same thing that science is showing us today, that meditation allows us 
um, to control our physical experience, our somatic experience. So meditation, breath work is so popular now. It works because what you're doing is actually controlling the breath, which controls your somatic experience, but also controls your mental formations, which is the goal of all of it. And my theory behind psychedelics is psychedelics take so much strength, mental concentration, focus, and strength to not be drawn away. That's what I experienced. I found it gave me almost like a workout of focus and awareness and understanding. And just like the, uh, the lucid dreaming, for real... It allowed me to experience what these lucid dreamers are hallucinating, (laughs) want to hallucinate. Psychedelics allow you to truly doubt reality as you perceive it. And that is the goal. That window that you will get with psychedelics to be able to, to doubt what your eyes and your ears and your nose tells you, what the somatic experience really is, is not what you're experiencing. That's the window that it can give us. Is it going to allow you to transcend that experience? No. No, psychedelics most certainly will not. You are tied to this experience with psychedelics. But they can inform you. They can train you in how you can apply these techniques and understanding to the actual meditative experience. So are psychedelics harmful? No, no, I wouldn't say so towards the meditative experience. But are they a replacement? No. Can they augment not the meditative experience, but they can augment the human who thereby can augment their own meditative experience. So they can inform each other, but it's the, uh, the individual being informed not the practice. So remember, remember that. 